Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Hey, well, if you are a first-time guest here today, I want to introduce myself. My name is JJ, and alongside my wife, Liz, we have the privilege, the joy, the honor of serving Journey Church as its lead pastors, and, uh, and it is the, is the privilege of our life. We absolutely love it. And um, if you're looking for a home church, we want to say, uh, look no further. We think you found it. Uh, to your left and your right are some of the most amazing, loving, uh, just wonderful people you will ever meet in your life. And so I know we did this already, but we're going to do it just one more time. Journey Church, would you help me welcome all of our first-time guests by putting your hands together? We're just grateful that you're here. It never gets old to me. It never gets old to me that you would choose uh, to be with us uh, on, on a Sunday. And it's a good Sunday to be here. We were in week two of a sermon series, really a journey called uh, Don't Hold Back. Who was here last Sunday during Don't Hold Back? Come on, we launched our Vision Sunday, and uh, we got the chance to share some vision where our church is going. Uh, We are glad to be in this portable facility, but we believe within the next two years, God's going to place us in a a permanent home, and uh, we're also believing that there's going to be another journey church somewhere in the city, somewhere in Central Florida, and so we're moving towards that. But we also talked about a vision for your life, our church together as a whole, but your life, in that we believe that whatever ceiling you think you've hit, we think God's got more for you, and uh, we're just going to live past the ceiling we talked about. We were going to be stretched in our faith and be stretched in our generosity, stretched in our giving, stretched in the way that we live, and we're going to put some skin uh, in the game. And uh, really, the next six weeks and the next two years, um, because it's a vision for the next two years, is really about faith. And so this series is really about about faith. And in faith, there is a very important part of of faith, and, and that's called trusting. And uh, because you can't have faith without trusting. And so um, y'all, y'all ain't even ready for my, for my title right now, for my sermon title. Just going to let you know you, you ain't ready for it, OK? When I, give you, when I give you my sermon title, half of y'all are going to be like, you know, semi-self-righteous. And you're going to like tag your neighbor, and you'll be like, he's preaching at you. Um, and the other half are going to be like, ooh, I need to hear that, but I don't really want to hear that. Um, but you're going to need to hear that, OK? And so here, here I'll, I'll pose my title, my sermon title in the form of a question. Uh, y'all ain't ready. Y'all ain't ready. Uh, I'm going to do it anyway. Here you go. Here's my sermon title, form of a question. Um, is, is there anybody here who has uh, trust issues? Yeah. <laughs> I told you you weren't ready. I told you. You're like, Pastor, I'm not ready to deal with that part of my heart right now. Um, if you have trust issues, you do me a favor, just raise your hand. On some level, if on some level, on some level you've got trust issues, let me see your hand. Come on, my hand is raised. I'm one of those people. If you don't have your hand raised, I know why. Uh, you don't trust me. You don't know, you don't know what I'm going to do with that information once you, once you give it to me. You're like, nah, I don't know. You're going to call me up? What's this about? Uh, I'm out of here. So trust, man. Trust. Tell your neighbor, trust is tricky. It sure is, because on one hand, trust is absolutely essential to life. As much as you wish you could live without it, you really can't. If you ever want to learn anything in your life, you're going to require a teacher. In order to actually learn from a teacher, you've got to have first what? A foundation of trust that what that teacher is teaching you is correct. If you don't trust your teacher, you're never going to learn. Uh, in order to, uh, to trust, if anybody, anybody want to uh, grow financially, be kind of financially, kind of grow and be successful financially, if you want to do that, then you're going to have to trust at some point a financial advisor, a mutual 
fund. You're going to have to trust some type of company with your investment. You're going to have to trust it uh, if you want to grow. Um, I remember going to the salon with Liz one day, and there was a sign on the counter. It said, stay calm and do not cut your bangs. That's what the sign said at the salon. Like, because if you want a good haircut, you're going to have to trust somebody eventually um, to give you a good, a good haircut. Uh, if you want to get better, like healthier, and because uh, you're sick and you got a cough, you're going to have to go to the doctor. And what are you going to have to do with that doctor? Trust. You're going to have to trust his diagnosis, that he knows what's going on with you. How many people can testify that you can't have a relationship without trust? Amen? Or let me actually, let me, let, me, let me clarify. You can't have a healthy relationship without trust. You can have a relationship without trust, and many of us do, but, but you can't have a healthy relationship without trust. So that's on one hand. On the one hand, uh, uh, you, you can't live without trust, but trust is tricky because on the other hand, here's what I've come to find out about trust, and I wonder if I have a witness in church today. Um, you can't trust trust. You, did, you, you can't, because the moment you step out in trust, it seems like that trust fails. I remember um, when my, my mom, we were living back in Staten Island, my mom went to an a, a Asian nail salon, and in the salon, they also do waxing. And uh, she was getting her nails done, and I went to the salon, and, and I was, I, back in the day, I used to get this, what they would call an edge up. It's when you get the razor, the zzz, and you get the little, tsh-tsh, and I would, and I get the little ice pick, side, uh, sideburn, and it was real, you know, and, uh, and it would always grow back. And then the worst phase was it was like growing back, and you just, you didn't look clean. And I was kind of sharing that, and, uh, and this lady uh, who was doing waxing uh, other, on other people was like, you know, we could probably, and I'm like, do you think you could wax this? Because she, she said that once you wax it, it would be gone for like a month. So I'm like, wow, I wouldn't have to get a haircut in like a month. So I'm like, if you, if you I'm, I said, will it work? You're the professional. I'm going to trust you. And she was like, it will work. So I was like, okay. So I laid down in the chair. <laughs> she put hot wax on my forehead. This is a true story, right, Mom? This is a true story. She put, she put the wax paper on my head. Why didn't she stop her? And, and she just, and she just, and the lady just ripped. And then went to the other side. And just, I mean, but Brian, and like, and it makes sense, right? Like, Waxing, you don't have to get it trimmed up. No, it does not work. So she ripped it off and the hair didn't come out. So she said, I'm gonna do it again. She did three times on both sides. If you don't believe this story, I've got school photos. Why, why do I have, how do the school photos testify to my torture? By the time I left, I had bruises on the side of my head. I looked like horns had been ripped out of my head. And all that's left was this where they once were. And this is why you can't trust trust. She's a professional. She's supposed to know what she's doing, but she failed me. You can't, you can't trust. Uh, doctors have misdiagnosed diseases before. Employees have stolen before. You want to grow business, you're going to require employees, but employees are hard to trust. Partners, significant others, spouses have cheated. Friends have lied. So what now? What do we do? We know that we're going to have to trust in order to survive, but every time we trust, our trust is broken. So what do we do? Where do we go? How do we live? Well, if you're like most people, what most people do is we just write off the notion of trust altogether. It's just easier that way. 
to just not, and you know these people. These are the people who, when something goes wrong and like someone breaks up, they're always the first people like, you see, that's why I don't trust nobody. That's why I don't trust nobody. They see it on the show, something happens, even on a TV show, they'll be like, that's exactly why I don't trust nobody. I don't trust nobody. I don't trust no, no, no thing. I don't trust nobody. And, uh, and I, if that's you today, I want to encourage you. I want to get you to trust again because trusting is not the problem. You think you got trust issues. You don't have trust issues. You have an issue with trust. And so I'm going to try and rebuild your faith and trust today. And I'm going to need some help in uh, somebody to volunteer. So I'm just automatically looking at the first row because that's what I do for volunteers. Uh, Quentin, will you help me out, man? Quentin, come on. Come on, Quentin. Give it up for Quentin. It's my man, Quentin. Accountant in training, right? Yep. All right, if you need your taxes done, this guy right here. That's free. Right, right. All right, Quentin, before you sit in this chair, wait, 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 wait. Before you sit in this chair, I need you to know that this chair was specifically designed for this illustration on trust. All right? And about how you can't trust. All right. So I want you to sit on this chair. You willing to? Yeah. All right. Go ahead. All right, three, two, well, I'm just playing. That's going to happen. <laughs> All right, Quinn, thank you so much for being a part of that. So Quinn sat on this chair, what happened? Nothing. I want to show a video of somebody else who sat on a chair. Happy with what they're hearing. Is that, is that a, a, a place and a point for them to raise that? Or is it a done deal by the time Trevor Manuel... Uh, it's actually an opportunity for members of parliament to, uh, to, to actually digest... Um, and go through the documentation that is uh, going to be presented to the public. Mm -hmm. And uh, the opportunity for proper engagement is actually after the tabling of the... <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that video so many times. And every time I see it, it still gets me. Now, <laughs> what's funny is the reporter, when he's done, he's like, and that's all that she has to say. And Here's what I want you to, here's what I want you to, to catch. He sat in the chair, and he sat in the chair, right? He didn't fall. He did, but they both sat. Sitting was not the problem. The problem was what they sat in. Trusting is not the problem. The problem is what you trust in. Trust didn't fail that guy. The chair did and some of us are writing off trust like if trust wasn't the problem. Trust isn't the problem. Can we be honest? You are the problem. Your decision-making ability is the problem. If I was that guy, I know I'm a big boy. <laughs> if I know I'm a big boy and they put me behind that counter, I'm like, excuse me, Quentin. I'm like, oh, this is my chair? Yeah, hold on one second. Let me just check real quick. Because <laughs> I'm a big boy. I got to make sure this. You know what? I see a crack right there. Can we get another chair in here? But he did it without trust. Without even checking, he just jumped in it. Your problem isn't that you're trusting. Your problem is that you trust too quickly. You trust too easily. You jump into relationships. You jump into businesses. You jump into partnerships. But you can't trust what's not tested. You got to test first and then trust. And we just trust first and then deal with the consequences later. And, well, I'm not trusting anymore. And you got to be careful because if he falls down on it, guess what? He's going to learn a lie as his lesson. And what's the lie? I'm never sitting again. I sat one time and the chair broke. You know what? I'm never sitting again. But that's not the lesson. The lesson is before you throw your weight on something, make sure it can hold you up. That's the lesson. Yeah. Now I'm never sitting again. Thank you, Quinn. That's all I need for you. 
And that's what I want to help you do today. Not teach you how to trust, but teach you what to trust in because you already trust. You know that, right? Even the people who say, I don't trust nobody. Yeah, you trust. Every time you put the address in your GPS to go somewhere, you're trusting. Trust is going to take you somewhere. Every time you buy milk from the supermarket, you're trusting that that expiration date on it, that that's legit. You got no idea. You weren't there when the cow was milked. You're trusting. We all trust something. Here's my question. Are we trusting the right thing? Which is my subtitle. Can I give you my subtitle? Here's my subtitle. Transfer your trust. Because we're all trusting. The question is, are we trusting the right things? Are we trusting the things that can hold up the weight of our, of our dreams, the weight of our lives, the weight of our problems, the weight of our goals, the weight of our issues? Are we trusting the right thing? And so we're going to transition. We're going to transfer. And here's the first thing we got to transfer from. We got to transfer from experience. We got to transfer our trust from experience because traditionally, trust is built on experience. We laugh at the person who says, I will never sit again. But there's 28 people in here who have said, maybe even early as this week, I will never love again. I will never open up again. There are some people who are hesitant to get involved in Journey Church because you got hurt at your last church and now you're saying, I will never get involved in church again. It happened one time. Two times, three times, but your expectation is being built on your experience. Your trust is, and trust is either built or broken on experience. But it's not good, and I'm going to teach you why that's not good. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, here it comes, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Mary is confused and disturbed because she don't trust the angel. The angel speaking, but she don't trust her. And here's why she don't trust her. She don't trust her because the angel is asking her to expect something she hasn't experienced. She's a virgin. She's never been intimate with before. But the angel's saying, you're going to have a baby. So the angel's saying, I want you to expect something you've never experienced. And that's hard. It's hard to trust like that. What am I trying to say? It's hard to expect loyalty when all you've ever experienced is betrayal. It's hard to expect that the next guy will love you when every relationship you've ever been in, they said they loved you, but their love actually turned to abuse on you. It's hard to expect being different when all you've ever experienced is being the same. When your expectations and your experiences are, are different, it's just, it's, just, it's just tough. And what we're doing is, listen, we're allowing an experience to trap us. Like, you guys know, or maybe you don't know, I have two dogs. Um, this is my firstborn right here. My, my fur baby, his name's Blue. Yeah. He's a look at the baby, the blue, the blue, the blue, the blue. <laughs> He's a Boston Terrier, and he's adorable. And, uh, but he's also a cray-cray. And uh, love this dog. Uh, we got him about three, four, four years ago. Um, and uh, he's a cutie. I want to show you a video that we recorded of him last week.
He is just making out with that cabinet right there, <laughs> going to town on that cabinet. We did not put peanut butter on those doors or anything like that, if that's what you're thinking. You know why he's licking that door? Because three years ago, that's where we used to put his dog toys. For two and a half years, his toys have not been in that cabinet. But every day he wants to play, he comes to the cabinet, licking the cabinet as a signal of get my toy out. And I'm like, bro, I talk to my dogs. Your toy has not been there for two and a half years, but he's going to it. Listen, he's begging at an empty cabinet because he's trapped in an experience. He's going back to what he thought. And here's the thing, the ball's moved on, but he's still there. Can I tell you something that hurts your feelings, but it might help you at the same time? They've moved on. He's moved on. She's moved on. It's moved on. Stop begging at an empty cabinet. Stop asking for something that's no longer there. I'm sorry it happened to you, but it's time to break free from it. You've been trapped in that thing that's happened for so long, and now it's damaging the way you look at everything else that's yet to come. You are trapped in an experience. And the angel knows this, so he comes to Mary and he tries to encourage her to transfer that trust. Her trust is trapped in the past. Her trust is trapped in her experience. And here's what the angel says, Luke 1, 37, 38. The word of God will never fail, Mary. Mary responded, if that's what you say, I am the Lord's servant and may everything you have said about me come true. You know what Mary's saying? And here's what I believe, because a couple verses later, she meets her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth says, um, you're pregnant already, and you're pregnant because you believed. I believe that right there, when Mary says she believes, I believe, if that's what you say, I believe, I believe in that moment was when she got pregnant. In that moment when she believed, what the angel said was when she got pregnant, and, and she began expecting. She began expecting that baby, and because she expected it, she got it, and it was a transfer of trust. Listen, from experience to expectance. You got to transfer your trust from experience what happened and what you think will always happen to expectance what you're believing to happen, what you're believing God to do in your life. Expectance. Here's how it works in the natural world. In the natural world, you will, you, you will expect what you've experienced. But here's how it works in God's world. Are you ready? You experience what you expect. And so here's what you got to do. Stop bringing your faith down to the level of your reality and start calling your reality up to the level of your faith. I'm expecting. I know I got no reason to, but I'm expecting. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take one of your hands and I want you to put it on your belly right now. Put it on your belly right now. Put it on there. Everybody be obedient. Don't be disobedient. God will strike your lightning bolts right now. Everybody put it on. Belly. Put it on your belly. All right, now I want you to tap your neighbor. Tap your neighbor and tell them, I'm expecting. Come on. There's a husband right now. He is freaking out. He's like, is this real? Is this real right now? I'm expecting. I know you can't see it, but I'm expecting. I know it goes contrary to everything I've experienced, but I'm expecting. 
I know every relationship I've ever been in doesn't work out, but I'm expecting. I know every investment that I made has failed, but I'm expecting. I know that I've been attached to this sin for many years, but I'm expecting. I know my son and daughter hasn't been at church for 20 years, but guess what? I'm expecting. I know I've been poor for a long time, but I'm expecting. I know I don't have no hope. I've been living in darkness, but I want you to know I'm expecting. I don't know if I'm nine months. I don't know if I'm eight months. I don't know if I'm seven months, but I feel something on the inside of me kick right there. Tell me that my blessing's on the way. My breakthrough's on the way. My future's on the way. Hey, I'm expecting. I'm expecting, but you've never experienced that before. I know. I'm transferring my trust from what I've experienced to what I'm expecting. I expect it even when it doesn't make sense. That's the next transfer. You got to transfer from what makes sense. How many people know that life doesn't make sense sometimes? I mean, life, life really doesn't make sense sometimes. Some things God does, I'm like, I can't defend that. <laughs> Going counseling, people counseling sessions with me, the only question they want to know is why, Pastor, why? After all these years, why? I'm like, that's above my pay grade. I don't, I don't know why. I don't, I'm not here to answer, answer why. But I do know this, as I get older, in faith and as I get older in my life, have you ever noticed this about older people? Uh, and I envy them. They just, don't, they just don't care anymore about what makes sense and what, they're just okay with not knowing how everything works. Like I remember when I was younger, one thing I could never get my mind around was television. Now maybe you're like an engineer and you can sit there and explain to me, explain to me how this voodoo magic works, okay? That there are images being transferred all over the world into my TV box, into my phone, like, I will never understand that. But you know what? I don't care. <laughs> the only thing I care about is if it works. And if it doesn't work, I don't care why it's not working. i just going to, can you fix it for me? Can you help me fix it? Before Apple was like the big thing, there used to be this uh, Windows. You still have Windows. But like, anybody remember Windows 95? This is like back in the day. Like, if you're a millennial, you probably got Windows 95, Gen Xer, Baby Boomer. You got probably, if you're Gen Z, you don't know what Windows 95 is. But Windows 95 was like an operating system on a computer. And sometimes when it would break down, you would call tech support. I would call tech support. And tech support would be like, OK, open up. And it would be this thing called MS-DOS. And you would open up MS-DOS. And MS-DOS was this black screen that came up on your, on your screen. And it, was like, and it would say C drive. And then they would be like, all right, here's what I want you to do. Type in. Alpha, one, four, seven, <laughs> forward slash, eight, nine, 28, comma, open, enter. And you know what I did? I just typed it. I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. You know why I thought, I thought, you know what? I, I, I don't want to know why, why I'm doing this. I trust you. I trust that the person who made it knows more about, about it than me, the person who's using it. I didn't ask one question. Well, why am I typing in open? But why 46? Why not 47? I'm not 46. Is that an age thing? Because that's not my age. I want to be clear. What are we doing here? I've never asked because I trusted her. And you never asked either. And here's my point. You will extend more trust to the tech support lady who made your computer than God who made your universe. And when he asks us to do things, we're like, but why? But why am I doing this? But why am I tithing 10%? But why am I helping people? But why I got to forgive her? But why I got to do this? But why I got to come to church? And he's like, will you just type it already? Will you just fulfill the command and watch it work? Watch it work. It works. It works if you just trust him. It works. 
this is what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Here's the transfer. You got to transfer from what makes sense to who made me. He made you. He knows how it works. I never asked her, her why or how. And, and here's, here's really what, because even if she would have explained it to me, I'd have been like, mm-hmm. I don't understand any of that. We're on two different levels. You know God's on a different level. If he would have even attempt to explain to you with the decisions that he makes in your life, you'd be like, I don't, I don't, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You don't operate on the same frequency that I operate to. It's like trying to explain algebra to an ant. It's not going to happen. That's like us trying to understand God's plans. It's just on a higher realm. We just got to trust. You got to trust God. And some people say, well, that's hard. I don't trust God. It's not that you don't trust God. I'm going to prove it to you right now. It's not that you don't trust God. Let me see by a show of hands really quickly. We have them every Sunday. Raise your hand if you're a first-time guest. I won't, I won't call you out or anything like that. Come to the stage. First-time guest? Oh, that's awesome. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I'm not. Don't worry about it. Don't worry, you're good. First, I'm so glad you're here. What's your name? Anna. Anna? Thanks for coming, Anna. The church today. Awesome. Just want to make sure it's working. Okay. It's working. Anna, who invited you to church today? <laughs> I didn't church today. But you're regretting that decision instantly. <laughs> Anna, uh, thanks for coming. I really appreciate it. Um, I hope after whatever happens here that you'll come back, you know, and uh, you got real good people. Great church. Um, yeah. And uh, so thanks for being here. Awesome. Anna, <laughs> I just got one question. My one question is, Anna, do you trust me? Yeah. That's the wrong, that's the wrong answer, Anna. That's the wrong answer. Anna, say yes. Uh-uh. Anna, I'm going to give you, be honest, Anna, because there's a lot of people, I know you want to, I know you want to play along, but let's just, let's be honest. Do you, honestly, do you, do you trust me? No, no, you don't trust me. This is your first time here, right? You know about this church. We could be a cult. You have no idea. <laughs> this is your first time. It's your first time. So you don't trust me. But the reason why you don't trust me is because you don't what? This is the first time we've met, right? So you don't trust me. Why? Because you don't know exactly, Anna. Because you don't know me. What if it's not that we don't trust God? What if it's that we don't know God? But if we knew him, I mean really knew him, we would trust him. It's not a trust issue. It's an intimacy issue. Because if you really knew how good he was, if you really knew how gracious he was, if you really knew how forgiving he was, you wouldn't second guess his actions. He might put you in a precarious predicament, but you would know because he's good that he was doing it. My sons recently, my, my wife, she, um, I'm not going to shoot you, Anna. You're good. My sons recently, my, my wife has instituted a new form of punishment in our home. I, I didn't know about it. It's this new system. It's called the tally marks. And uh, we've kind of transitioned. Uh, we'll still do some spanking Occasionally, I do most of it now, but only when they do three things, which if you want to know, I can tell you in the lobby what they are. Um, and, uh, and, and, but, but, um, and, but my wife, she does these things I call tally marks. So if you break a rule, you put a tally mark. And a tally mark is equal to how much is five minutes of chores is what a tally mark is equivalent to. 
So every time they, they do something, tally mark. And they have a whole board of these tally marks. They'll rack up like an hour, okay, <laughs> of tally marks. And so one day, Zane and Justice came to my office, and they're like, Dad, have you heard about these tally marks? <laughs> I'm like, I have not heard about these tally marks. What is this? And it's like, Mom gives us tally marks now when we do wrong. She, she gets, and it's for five minutes of work. But no, I'm noticing something, Dad. I said, what? She goes, now, he goes, now she has less work. And this is what he told me. He said straight up, he goes, I think mom likes giving us tally marks. Because <laughs> the more tally, actually, he's catching on. He's like, because the more tally marks she gives us, the less work she has. <laughs> and so, and so I, I told him I couldn't really commentate on it because I didn't know how the system worked. So I just told her, I said, I said, buddy, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, and, and I don't know how this whole thing works, but here's what I do know. I know your mother, and I know that if she would allow something to happen to you, it's because she wants you to learn, she wants you to grow, she wants you to be better, she wants you to be the best version of yourself. She wants to teach you. She wants to help you become the man of God that God's called. So I don't know what's going on, but I know your mother. And I want to tell you, if you're going through a situation right now, if you're going through a trial right now, if you're going through a problem right now, if things are really messed up at home, if things are really messed up with your money, if things are really messed up in your marriage, I just want you to know, I don't know what's going on, but I know your father. And let me tell you something about your father. He's good. And if he allowed it, it's because he's trying to help you learn. He's trying to help you grow. He's trying to help you be better. He's trying to help you rise up. He's trying to help you become the best version of yourself. So I can't commentate on your finances, and I can't commentate on your struggles, but I can commentate on the maker. He's in this for you. He's not trying to put you through something to make himself look good. He's not trying to put you through something to have less work on his plate. He's trying to put you something to put something in you. He's trying to get you to rise up into the person that he's called. It don't make sense, but I'm going to trust the one who made me. Yes. He made me, and I, I can trust him. He's good. Here's my last point. you got to transfer trust. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 6, 18. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share. Somebody say share with others. Here's my last point. You need to transfer from my share to my sharing. I want you to hear the story of a young woman who shares her story with you. For a long time, she held it back. And then recently, she decided to not hold it any longer. It's the first time she shares her story publicly in this video. And it's a lesson, A, about the work that God's doing through our church and through our missions teams, but also uh, a story in the power of never holding back. Go ahead and watch the story of Brianna. Edwards. My name is Brianna Edwards, and um, I moved to Florida when I was 13 years old. I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I've been coming to Journey for three years, so pretty much as long as the church has been open. <laughs> I would say I grew up in a household of faith. Um, at like the age of five, my grandfather led me to Christ. I guess that's how my path of um, being a Christian really started and you know the ups and downs of being a teenager you know you're going through all those emotions and things. My
my dad growing up is not a Christian and still to this day is not. My mom has been a Christian but never really like hardcore going to church. Um, I started going to church by myself when I was in high school and to a youth group and that's pretty much how my walk really started. Um, I think like the worst turn was in my 20s. I was like, I was 21, just turning 22. Um, you know, classic story, boy meets girl and um, girl fell head over heels. <laughs> and um, he became my world. I identified with him and um, he became my identity and I lost my identity in Christ. I thought, the world of him I thought he was my world and um, he wasn't and the night that my world came crashing down it was a year into the relationship with him and um, it became very toxic and it became um, abusive sexually abusive he raped me and um, it was just kind of like what happens next you know like do I continue this relationship with him and unfortunately I did for a full year after mentally and emotionally I kind of just like enfolded into myself a little bit you know a lot of times when we're so deeply hurt we put on this mask um, to make sure it looks happy and joyful on the outside but on the inside we are literally falling apart as a person um, I didn't know who I was anymore. I thought I was worthless and that I didn't have any purpose in life, that I just thought of myself like of the lowest of lows, you know, like we try to remain positive in those times, but at that point I was just like thinking like, is my life even worth it? Like, can I possibly come back from this? Like at, at this point in my life, I was like, my, I'm not worth anything. I'm not worth love. I'm not worth the attention. I'm not worth anything. And then if he can't love me, how can God love me? You know? So I'm like at that point where I'm like, is my life even worth it? So thoughts of suicide, depression, and you mask that with alcohol, with drugs. So I had heard about Journey um, from a friend. So I came the second Sunday, Journey was ever open. And um, at that point in my life, I just like, every time I went to church, I just felt like pushed down in the ground and I felt so suffocated. And I felt like I couldn't breathe. And the moment I walked into Journey, I just felt like I could breathe. And that this was a place of like, it was like a safety net in a world that I felt like I had nothing to cling to. I met this amazing person by the name of Jenny Shackleford <laughs> and um, through the process I found out she had four beautiful little girls and I was a nanny so I took on some part-time babysitting positions for her family and through that process of just kind of babysitting the girls and then staying after for coffee we developed and this beautiful friendship um, and it just blossomed over the years and um, every conversation it was like Jenny peeled back a little bit a part of who I am kind of like an onion being peeled um, because at that point I was just so closed off and I didn't want to let anyone in because I just been so hurt by other individuals and I was still going through that healing process still trying to like basically 
plant my feet on the ground and be secure. Um, I hadn't really told anyone about my story. I had told like little important people like through the year leading up to that point, but it was like that huge pivotal moment. Um, I was in the Dominican Republic and I wanted to be rebaptized. And um, the only way that I would get rebaptized is um, the pastor told me, you have to share your story because we feel that if you share your story and speak it out loud, that you're going to be able to grab onto that freedom and break, be able to grab onto the healing. And when I shared my story in front of like 200 people, it was like in that moment, it was like this release that happened. And it was like, it was in that moment that I realized like the one thing that the devil was trying to like use against me, it was the exact thing that God was going to use to bring me to freedom. It, was, it took a lot of trusting, trusting God to be able to speak up in that moment. It wasn't easy, but it was just like in that moment, me surrendering um, who I am as a person to be able to understand the healing and the freedom he had for me. I'm not gonna say it was easy. It was definitely not an easy moment. It was hard, but there was so much reward that happened afterwards. And I look at um, all of the stories that have come to light because I decided to share my story. And it was like, it was God saying like, hey, you're not alone. Let me help you and let me show you. Well, I find my hope in God, first of all. Every day, spending my time with Him in the morning, I have a passion for missions. It just gives me so much hope for what is going to, to, to come in like the next generations and the next thing that's gonna happen in this world. Um, it just like renews what I believe God said is going to happen on earth. Like there has to be a point, there has to be hope and the hope is Christ. And um, I'm finding that He walks alongside you in ways that they never really described in um, Bible school <laughs> or when you're a child. Like, um, I never realized what type of closeness you can really have when you view him as your father. Come on, give it up for Jesus who still changes lives. Jesus still changes lives. Amen. This is why I'm so passionate about don't hold back. Because we're not just asking for financial support or generosity or giving. We're asking you to don't hold back your life. Brianna held that story in for years. And it's led to hundreds of people finding hope again. What would happen if you didn't hold back? What would happen if, if you went all in? I think we'd make a difference. I think we could hear a lot more stories like Brianna. How many people believe that? if we went all in, if we just laid it all out. It's more than money, it's more than a, a project. It's people, it's stories, it's, it's life. I'm gonna ask all the hosts if they would help me. Uh, you got a brochure last week, but this week we wanna give you a magazine. It's about 20 pages and it just talks about what God's doing in this community, man. It's amazing. You come in here every day, every Sunday, and we almost take it for granted. If you're a first time guest, you, you, won't, you won't even believe the amazing things that God has done they're gonna make their way down the aisles and, and hand each one of you, so don't just pay sure we'll get that your way, but we've got testimonies in here, we've got a timeline, people who have made decisions for Christ, we got statistics, we got some newspaper articles, we've got um, the vision for the facility, for the location. On page 16, we don't have a slide for it, but it's cool, on page 16, you'll see that we talked about our share, 
We believe that in two years, if we can raise $3.2 million in two years, we can, we can just change, we can just have a tremendous impact. We'll hear a lot more stories like Brianna's. We'll get into that permanent building. We'll have that second location. We'll make a difference. A lot of people have asked, what does that mean? And I want to introduce this concept of one fund, one fund. It's on page 15, one fund. So when you see that number on the chart, we're looking for people to commit to certain numbers. What that number is, is a one fund number. Here's what a one fund number is, really easy. To see our vision come to pass, we're not going to do a special offering, but rather we're going to fund all the ministries and projects of the church out of one fund. Here's what one fund is. You're going to identify what you normally give annually, then what God would be calling you to do in terms of increasing annual giving. So somebody came up to me before the service started and said, hey, I just started tithing this year. That's my annual giving, but I'm feeling God asking me to go from 10% to 12%. So I'm going to do an addition. So whatever that is in one year, here's what you would do. Number two, you would double that amount because it's a two-year initiative. And that would be your one fund number. In addition to that, if there's something you have that you've been saving up for, a vacation, uh, uh, paying down your house. I know for my wife and I, we'll tell you a little bit about our journey. We've been saving up some money to pay down our house and God's asking us to do something pretty crazy with it. I'll share that on week four. Um, but uh, then you would add that in and that's all that one fund is. It's two years altogether. So it's, you're not giving it in one time, you're giving it over the span of two years. And here's what we want you to trust God with. Page 17, there's a generosity chart. Here's what we're asking, here's what we're asking you to do. Just take the next step wherever you are in your journey with God and generosity. Oh, well, it's just money. It's not. Our hearts are so tied up to money. Tell me where your money is and I'll tell you what you trust in. That's really the truth. And so I want to see you take that step of trust in Christ. First time givers, if you've never given before, that's your next step. Just give and see how God blesses you. There are a lot of people here who have never done that before. I want to give you that opportunity in this initiative to be that person. Some people have already given, but you've given only once. Here's your next step, being an intentional giver. Here's what an intentional giver says. You know what, I usually give when I can, but instead of giving when I can, I'm gonna give every month. That's an intentional giver. If that's you, God might be asking you to take the next step. What's the next step after an intentional giver? It's a percentage giver. I'm not just gonna give whenever I can what I can. I'm gonna give what the Lord asks, 10% upfront to, to, to him at the beginning of every month because that's, that's his, that belongs to him. I'm gonna give him 10%, that's called tithing. We have a whole thing on it on our website to teach more about it. And we have about 20%, if you can believe that, we have about 20% of the people here at Journey Church who participate in this thing called tithing. And even with 20%, we've given over $300,000 away to charities and nonprofits. We're a tithing church. We give 10% of everything that comes in back into missions, back into building wells, back into rescuing um, women from uh, sex trafficking, um, back into helping people come out of addiction. We handed a check to um, someone from Team Challenge yesterday at our legacy outing. We're sponsoring their drug rehabilitation program. We just sponsored it. Um, you guys did that. Uh, and so we, we give right back to the community. And so that's a tither. If you're a tither though, you might say, well, I'm already doing my part. There's a next step for you to really stretch your faith. And that's saying, hey, I know you're tithing, but your next step would be becoming an extravagant giver. That's going above and beyond. And we have already so many people who have said yes to that. Um, I want you to stand on your feet uh, as we close today. And I want to encourage you and remind you, this project, this vision, it's, it's, not, it's not about buildings and it's not about locations. Um, right now, it's about stretching our faith to believe that God can do miracles if we don't hold back. Don't hold back your pain. Don't hold back your fear. Don't hold back our generosity, our finances, our giving. But don't hold back you. Don't hold back from everything God has for you. It's time to trust and take that leap of faith. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. 
And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.